Hey, Explorers. You're going to notice that on this podcast, I don't have my two favorite co-hosts, Kyle and Justin, with me. Uh, this is going to be an interview with my parents. We're going to go through their lives when they, they're in their mid-70s, so they've got a lot of ground to cover um, on how things are the same, how they've changed, what's good, what's bad, and how their faith has kind of got them through the whole thing. So I hope you enjoy the interview, and I'll talk to you again on the other side. Okay, we're here with my parents, Joe and Joe Crutchfield. Hi. Good morning. Howdy. Um, I wanted to get with you guys and go through your lives. Go through how things have changed, how things have stayed the same, um, what has gotten better, what's gotten worse, and just basically you. I just want to know about you. Uh, My listeners want to know about you. So... Tell me, tell me how it was a little bit different or a little bit, probably a lot different. Let's start with you, mom, growing up, um, go as far back in your childhood as you want and be as detailed or as non-detailed as you want. Just how was it for you growing up? Well, I can remember when I was almost two, um, Going into my grandparents' new home, it wasn't new, but my uncles were, and Grandpa was up on the roof, uh, replacing the roof, and I got cockleburrs all over my feet. So my uncle put me up on his shoulders and walked me in. And What is a cockleburr? A cockleburr is a thing that comes from weeds in the grass that stick you really, really bad. Um... And I... And everybody was barefoot back then. Yeah. Yeah. I was raised by my grandparents um, because uh, my mom and dad had five kids, and we were there all the time, and I I never wanted to leave. And so they let me stay. So I was raised by my grandparents, which was uh, good in some ways, bad in some ways. Uh, we had what I called a city farm that I had to get up at 5 o'clock in the morning and feed the animals before I even ate and got ready for school. Um, my grandmother was a very strict lady uh, from old school, so I was real restricted in what I could and couldn't do, even when I got older. Um, but I loved them dearly, still do, and don't think about the. I think about the old times, but I laugh about them now. Um, what what did you used to do for fun? For fun? Oh, my goodness. Well, every Sunday, the family would come over, and everybody had five or six kids. <laughs> we had a lot of kids. Well, and yeah, even, tell them how many kids your grandparents had. Well, they had nine, 13, but nine lived. Um, and we'd all have a Sunday dinner. And afterwards, we would either have homemade ice cream, which I got to sit on the ice cream chair, (laughs) exciting, or we had a field across the street, and our uncles would come over and play baseball with us. Or the kids would get together and play games like Red Rover, Red Rover, which kids probably don't even know anymore. But we had fun on Sundays, for sure. So there was no TV, no Internet, no... 
we did have TV um, at night. It was limited. How old you when you got TV? Probably seven oh, or eight. Oh, probably, yeah, about seven or eight. And we even put the, the screen that had the blue on top and the green on the bottom for the grass. That was our color TV. <laughs> but, you know, we had, we had the old shows, uh, very old shows, and we would sit in the den and watch TV until bedtime. So, yeah, we did have TV. So you were the neat little Norman Rockwell family. Mm, no, not really. <laughs> um, uh, you I might want to tell them. You might want to tell them what they spoke around the house. I, I, I worked really, really hard. My grandmother was. Um, kids would call her a slave driver today. Oh, I remember Constantine, right? Or I uh, know. Um, yeah. Constance. Yeah, Constance. Yeah. Mama. Mama Miller. Um, I would have to get on the floor, and we had a big floor uh, tile, and wax it with Johnson's paste wax, and then go over it with a, a rag to buff it. And if it wasn't to her liking, I'd have to do the whole thing over. Um, so I remember when we would go over and, and I don't remember um, how old I was when she died. Uh, I want to say eight or nine, maybe she ten. She died in 76. So I've been 10. Okay. Okay. Um, so I remember going over there uh, a lot. We, we went over there a lot. And usually when I went, um, all the other, your sisters and all our cousins and everybody was there. And there was this strange noise coming out of the house. And it was always the strange noise. It didn't make any sense to us. What, what was that strange noise coming out of the house? I, I'm not sure. It was a language that no one understood. Oh, the language. <laughs> it was Cajun French, which... A.K.A. Cunas. There you go. Uh, we spoke it. Uh, that's how I learned. My great-grandparents lived a block from us, so I was sent over there with a message and they only spoke French. Yeah. So I had to, and then I had to, to get their answers and bring it all the way back. And so I learned to speak French. I was fluent in French as I was in English. Uh, your daddy used to tell everybody, or he does, that I had to wear a, a sign in school saying I do not speak English, which is not the truth, not the truth. But I did, uh, we did speak fluent French. So, so you were bilingual, but not necessarily the, a lingual that would really help you later. Right. Although well, it, it, was, it was French, and we it, tested that later in life, and she could actually converse with people from France. I mean, actual... So you were in France? Yeah, yeah, we were in France one time, but, you know, it was the same. It's just that it, it was like speaking to a person from Boston and a person from South Carolina. They're Dallas. speaking the same language, yeah. but it's really different. But yeah. we got by. We were in the Army, and we traveled and went to Paris. And, um, you know, we ordered a dinner one night, and your grandmother was with us, his mom. And uh, we ordered steaks, and they were very raw. That's how they ate them over there. Well, I didn't eat raw meat. So they were too embarrassed to send theirs back, but I was able to send mine back and got a perfect steak when I came back. <laughs> we didn't need ours. <laughs> they yeah. ate vegetables. So, so what about you? How did you grow up? Dull life. You know, uh, father worked at Mobile. Uh, well, father was in the war. Uh, I, he he was a see, war hero, wasn't he? Yeah, but he, he didn't see me until uh, I was like 18 months old. 
So you're a true baby boomer. No, no. Baby boomer is after the war. Oh, I, was after, a war I was a war baby. War baby, okay. Yeah, okay. my mother was pregnant when my father left to go to, war, to, uh, to Germany, and uh, so she had the baby. And uh, he had, he, everybody thinks it's funny, but he had a picture of me laying on a, a bearskin rug, laying on my back, buck naked. That way he could tell all the guys, see, I got a boy, you know. And today you would go to prison for having yes, a photo. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yes. In fact, that reminds me of taking some pictures of my grandson. Yes. And you like to have a heart attack you, you got when, us. when we showed a Well, <laughs> he's just a baby. Yeah, but that's a naked picture. You're going to swim it doesn't mean Well, the worst part was that was back when, when photos still, you still had to take them to Walmart. Well, yeah, Walmart. sure. Yeah, yeah and, and they would go through the processing, and there were literally people that would, they yeah. would have the cops called on them yeah, because they were like this. This was a baby, you know, just a little. Yeah. So, so father worked for yeah, while he, came he back worked there. The he worked there for a while, and then uh, we were transferred to Premont, Texas, which which is a terrible place down in South Texas, and uh, and we, he hated everybody hated it. So he came back and uh, got a service station, bought a service station, uh, a Gulf service station at. Uh, Colorado and what used to be the Port Arthur Road is now MLK. Uh, and then he uh, he got another service station, which was a different different brand, and uh, he sold the one, the, the Gulf service station, and, and just had the Texaco. And then, uh, I don't know, four or five years later, uh, there was a service station on every corner, every corner. So you got to where you couldn't make a living hardly. Uh, so he had to get out of the service station business, and he went to work for uh, Sears as a mechanic and pretty much retired from there. Uh, but my childhood was nothing really exceptional, uh, well, until I got teenager. Uh, but, you know, it was a standard childhood. Uh, you know, I had neighbors. We all played together uh, in a vacant lot. We had a big old swing. Uh, you know, good friends that I still are friends with now. Uh, but uh, later, I was not uh, not your model student, I guess you'd say, in high school. Uh, I had a tendency to cut up in class, do whatever was wrong. I would do it just to see if I could. And uh, me and school parted ways in 11th grade. And uh, at that time, I decided Idle hands are the devil's workplace, so I decided I better get my hands unidle. So I went in the Army for six months, uh, National Guard, Army, uh, active duty, Fort Leonard Wood, Missouri. Came home, got home on September the 3rd. School started on September the 4th. Uh, so I went back to school to finish, the, finish my senior year of school. Uh, then that summer, all fit much. So anyway, uh, one thing led to another. When were you in the rock and roll band? Oh, that was at about uh, 14 to about 17. Uh, when I went in the Army, uh, I loaned a guy my drum. I was a drum, played drums because I couldn't play any instruments, so I played drums. Uh, and uh, I loaned him my drums while I was gone. And when I came back, he was about twice as good as I was, so I just sold him my drums and got out of the... The playing of it. I stayed in the the business a little bit. I booked some bands at different places, you know, and just I made as much money as they did playing. Uh, 
But uh, let's see, charging forward. I always wanted to work for the police department from the time I was a, a little child. Uh, I had detective books and that kind of stuff I read. And uh, so I went down to the police station when they had an opening for a, a, a ID technician slash dispatcher. And you had to be 18 years old. And when you turned 21, you would automatically become a police officer. So I went down there and applied for that. And uh, a friend of mine applied also. And uh, the guy, the, the assistant chief had me back up against the door frame. And he could see daylight between the top of my head and the mark on the wall because you had to be five foot 10 and I was five foot eight. So he said, I'm sorry. So I asked him, I said, well, look, if I get three years of the military police, will you waive my height? He said, well, get it and come back and see me. Well, my best friend at the time, he had a heavy foot. He had five moving violations. So he told him basically the same time. So we, we went down and joined the Army or re-enlisted in the Army. We already spent three and a half years in the Army or National Guard, which is the same thing. Uh, and we went to military police school, got to military police school. And the first thing that happened is uh, they had me step on a scale, put a little thing on top of my head and said, oops, you got to be five foot ten. You're only five foot eight. I said, oh. So knowing, since we'd been in the Army before, we knew who the most powerful people in the Army is, and that's the chaplain. Chaplains get things done when nobody else can get things done. So we went and talked to him. Chris, Kenneth, same thing, five tickets. He couldn't couldn't be an MP. Uh, so we went and talked to him. He called the company commander and said, you know, you've got a choice with these two guys. They've got prior military service. They joined two BMPs. You can either let them in the school or let them out. So they let us in the school. About a month into the school, uh, we got a letter I got a letter from my mother, and there's a little article out of the newspaper said, Beaumont Police lowers height requirements to five foot eight. <laughs> so here I am. I now have 34 and a half weeks of military ahead of me, and I could have been a policeman all that time. But Months, not weeks. Huh? Months, not weeks. Yeah, months, not yeah. weeks, yeah. Uh, so anyway, uh, I went in the military, uh, or stayed in the military, and your mother and I had planned on <coughs> getting married when I got out of MP school. I was going to go home on vac on leave. We were going to get married, and the army oh, has. I was going to fly to Georgia. Yeah. Anyway, we're going to get married. Anyway, uh, oh. the army has a way of changing things. Oh, uh, I was going to get a vac or leave, and uh, so then I uh, I went to the. Finished MP school, had graduation, we got in formation, graduation, and they put us in three stacks, three different little holding patterns. And they said, that's A, B, and C, and you know, I'll call your name and say A, B, and C, you pick whichever one you go with that. And one of them was, was Germany, one of them was staying in the United States, and the, the last one was Vietnam. And as, it, as luck would have it, uh, Kenneth and I both got Germany instead of Vietnam or, or uh, stay in the U.S. So we went to went to Vietnam. I mean, went to to Germany the day after we graduated from uh, MP school. I mean, we had graduated Friday, Saturday morning. We had to be in New York, uh, get on a boat to go to MP, uh, go to Germany. Uh, 
so we didn't get married right away. So, we, but we still talked back, you know, by letter and talked about getting married. And we were—I was there about three months, I think, when we saved up enough money for her to come over, and we got married in Germany, which was in, in itself pretty neat. So you skipped something that you've told me before. Uh oh. Um, that people might find interesting. How was the boat ride? The boat ride was, was really nice. It it's it's resembled uh, what's nowadays they have these these big giant boats that go to the uh, different places. And it was really nice. Uh, it was called the USNS Rose. I got on it. Uh, I was puking my toenails up. Uh, a lot of people were, but I was really, really sick. And they made us go topside. And we went topside, and we were still going towards the Statue of Liberty. So we were in New York Harbor, and I was sick. And we were fixed to cross <laughs> the North Atlantic in January, which is a pretty bad place to be. So for nine days and nine nights, I threw up. I was able to eat one time. So I went up, finally, about four days into the thing, I was able to eat. I went up, and I don't, you'd have to understand what a troop trip ship is like. It's got a metal bunk or metal bunk thing that comes out table, and it's got troughs on both sides. So when they get through, they just wash it down with a hose, and that's how they clean it. Well, we had spaghetti. This is my first meal now in like four days. Spaghetti. It was good. It tasted great. I loved it. Guy sitting next to me, he was eating spaghetti, and the boat was rocking. It had been rocking for since the day we left, and we were like this, and we went this way, and when we got this way, this guy <coughs> threw up in the trough, and when we went that way, there it was, which made me throw up. So that was the last time I went to chow. I just said no, I'm not. I ate two or three oranges, and that was about it for the rest of the time. I just I was sick as a dog, but the minute I stepped on dry land in Bremerhaven, Germany, I was like a drunk. I was cold sober. I wasn't sick at all. I was fine. Didn't didn't bother. Nothing bothered me, and I was great. All right. Now you're nineteen. Eighteen. Eighteen. Yeah, I will have turned. That same month, I turned 19. So now you're 18 years old. You're getting on an airplane. You're flying over to another country to meet someone you hadn't seen in a while yep. to get married at 18 years old. And they speak a foreign language over there. And they speak a different Not French. <laughs> and all my family tried to talk me out of it. If it's love, it will keep till he gets back. But we knew what we wanted, so we were a lot more mature back then than kids are today. <clears throat> <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so we were trying to save up enough money to get me over there, but one day I got this letter with a plane ticket in it. He had gone down to the American Express. Well, one day, if you recall, you got a, I got a, a regular ring. Oh, regular, regular mail. I got my wedding a ring, ring. <laughs> my engagement <laughs> ring. But he sent me a plane ticket. He said there's no point in waiting, so he had gone borrowed the money and sent me a plane ticket, and this was in uh, early May, May 7th, I'm thinking. And so, yeah, I decided to to do it, to just go on over there as a teenager. Now, this being your first time to ever get on an airplane, were you as uh, 
Afraid. Afraid. <laughs> that's, that's a word. We'll use that word. No, no. I had never flown before, so I was excited. I was excited to go get married, to go see him again, and it was an adventure. So, no, I wasn't afraid at all. So there was a time where you were adventurous. Oh, yeah. 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 She, was going, she wanted yeah. to be a, a stewardess I at did. one time. In high school, that was my goal. I was going to be a stewardess. Too short. You've got to be able to put stuff in the So what too. happened here? I, I got too short of a mom, too short of a dad, and I ended up six foot tall. I don't know. What happened? We're not sure. We're st- we still want to check DNA. Germany. I don't know. Now, I've got a little bit of, of, of a beef with you here. No because problem. Because you said that you and high school didn't get along and that you would do things just to see if you could get away with them mm-hmm. and yet 20 year 15 years later it was the same guy who was busting my chops for mm-hmm. doing exactly the same thing well, that course, you did as a child you learn from experience i learned it was not good do as was i bad. say not as I so, you know that that was the most popular <laughs> saying that there was two sayings in my house as i recall do as i say not as i do and children are to be seen and not heard uh-huh because it was just a different time. It was a totally different time back then. Back then, as I recall, and, and, you know, growing up, if, if people, if parents today saw parents from mm-hmm. when, when I was growing up, and moreover, when you were growing up, yeah. I mean, that was, that was all an out child abuse. That, oh, yeah. that was go to prison, lock the door, and you're, you're done for the rest of your I life, child was. abuse. Yeah. But yet, the kids grew up better. I mean, the, the, the generations that grew up were so much better. Why, what happened? What happened between you, you know, getting switches and, and, and being, you know, just pummeled? You, I'm sure your dad used to beat the crap out of you. Yeah, it's, mother spanked me, I guess, more than dad. Well, that's how it was with yeah, me. Yeah. And, and, and my mother, I always said that uh, she, she always used the weapon of opportunity. Yeah. Whatever happened to be around at the time, it could be a spoon, it could be uh, it, her shoe. Uh, just, I learned that from my grandma. <laughs> just whatever, whatever happened to be around at that particular moment. There was one time, and I think it was over on... Okay, y'all are fixing to get the truth now. I think, it was, fixed, I think it was over on Steelton, I think, that I actually had to go out and cut my own switch. Well, see, what that's what we do. learned. No, I know that. I, I can only remember having to do it one time, but it may have been more than once, but I remember the one time, we had a willow tree, I think, in the backyard, if I recall, or was it in the front yard? Uh, Mama, front yard. I had the willow tree. I, yeah, we had one in the front yard. You're killing the audio, by the way. I'm sorry. With <laughs> I, no, I It's a ring. Oh. <laughs> anyway, and I remember walking out to this willow tree, and, and having to pick one. And, 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 and the problem with that is you look at this one, and it's, it's small. It's really small. And you're like, you know, I come in with that. They're just going to send me right back out of here. And then you look at the other one, and you're like, no, that'll break my spine in half. So I, I don't want that one. And so you try to come up with the most easiest one you can find. And the problem is that, that you come up with these little small ones, and, and it's like a whip. And it would wrap around your thigh. Yeah. And so not only did you get a lash on your butt, but you got one on the front of your legs. And so it would, but what happened between then and now? Why, why did all of a sudden we become so, um, you know, safe spaces and cuddle bears and, oh, don't spank and uh, time out and all this other garbage that people are doing? What, what happened? I Computers. don't know. That didn't happen while you were growing up. Yeah. Well, heck no, it didn't happen while I was <laughs> Computers, I think, is one thing. 
kids get to where they don't go out and play anymore. They, they stayed in the house and watched computers. Well, I under, yeah, I understand that part. I'm talking about what happened to us as parents in disciplining our children. Yeah. Where, where did we... Where did we start getting afraid to discipline? I mean, you used to beat the hell out of me in the in the in the mall or whatever. I mean, I, I would I would pull that little stunt one time of of laying on the ground, and then you'd beat hell out of me. And and as recall, bystanders would come by and hold me down while you did it. And that's not that's, true. Okay, that that's an exaggeration. Yeah, y'all y'all have to remember one thing: she's five foot tall. He's six foot one. Oh, yeah. I wasn't six foot one my whole life. No, but, but you were tall. You were five ten. What I meant by that, what I meant by bystanders coming and holding you down, it wasn't like anyone was going, oh, I can't believe she's doing that. They were cheering you on. Go, girl. Get him. Yeah, he can't talk to you like that. Get him. Absolutely. So, right. you know, and, and I remember growing up in our neighborhood on Steelton, you know, the neighbor would whip my butt. Yeah, that's the you know, way neighbor we, the, caught me doing something. He'd whip that's my That's the way butt. we were. We were. You know, the, the old "it takes a village to raise a child" uh, was a real yeah. thing. You, you lived in a kind of a transition period where you started out like that when you were young, but as you got older, as you got a little older, you would you learn it, it started going away. You know, you you know, at, at eighteen, if your neighbor would have walked, walked up, and whipped your butt, you'd have freaked out, sued him or something. You know, uh, so if you were. You were in, I guess, the age of transition, where you were raised like you should have been raised, but uh, as you got older, it went away. But even you raising me wasn't anything like you were raised. No. Well, her. Not well, me. not I, I didn't have any problem. Not, not so much. A little, a little. I'll say better because I mean I was raised to do all of the hard work that I could do. Had you know had to do. I was made to do. You did some work. But you were paid an allowance. I never saw a dime. It was like a quarter. Whatever. It was it, not. It spent a lot that day. You didn't know the difference between a nickel and a five <laughs> a quarter anyway. But, you know, you had your chores to do. And, again, you were paid for it. Um, I, I kind of learned over the years one one thing woke me up. I remember you had done something so bad, and you were like four. Cannot remember what it was, but I, you had made me so, so mad, and I was just straddling you, and I was fixing to just pummel your face. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, oh, my gosh, what am I doing? Maybe we'll edit that part. No, no, so no. I, I, I got off you and went in my bedroom and just started crying, and that was kind of a wake-up call for me. Flashbacks of the way she was raised. Yeah, Yeah. it reminded me. And however, you know, you still got punished. You still got whipped, uh, spanked. I'll say. Oh, I got Um, I got some whoopings. There's no doubt about it. And and as I got old, well, not older. I'd say I remember being eight or nine, maybe. You know, just getting old enough that I, I started being more of a of a handful. And you would chase me around. You would have one hand on my arm, <laughs> the other hand on, like I said, the weapon of opportunity, and would darn near be chasing me because I'm trying to run away <laughs> from the weapon. You're trying to whoop my butt. Which made me matter. Which matter. made you even matter. <laughs> Don't you run away from me. And, and every syllable, as I recall, was you, you would hit on each syllable. <laughs> Don't you. It was whack, whack, whack. Now, um, let me tell you the difference in you. And me, she would chase you. My mother said, "Lay down on the bed," 
and I would lay down over the bed, and she'd spank my butt. And then I'm, I'm getting up, you know, age, 12 years old, 11, something like that, and she spanked me, and I'm not going to cry. I'll die before I cry. And she's spanking, and finally she says, I'm going to spank you till you cry. Well, of course, the next time the belt hit my butt, I cried, you know. Uh, that's the difference. You, you know, you didn't fight back, but you... I ran. Yeah, ran. Where <laughs> I, I wasn't allowed to... I didn't dare run. You yeah. guys don't know how easy you had it, honestly. Well, I remember the worst day ever in my mind, and it's still, I can, I can see it as though it's yesterday. And it was, I think it was junior high school. I had gotten off the bus, and and I had said a bad word on the bus. Oh, yeah. I said, bitch, on the bus. That was the word I said. Today's standards, not a big deal. But back then, the bus driver reported it to the principal. The principal called me to his office. And the principal began to chew my butt about saying these words and being respectful and blah, 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 blah. And what seemed to be forever of this this lecture goes on. And the next thing I hear is the door behind me opening. And I kind of turn around, and there walks my father in full uniform, <laughs> gun and everything, walking in the door, hat on, which he never had his hat on. I don't know why he had his hat on in this particular sentence. Has his hat on, full garb walks in just the most stone face you've ever seen in your life and the principal says you know mr crutchfield uh glad you could make it pulls out the paddle from under his drawer sets it on the table and says i think i'll go get a cup of coffee and walks out the door <laughs> I have no yep. and then my dad did exactly what you would think he would do he bit me over and whooped my butt do you remember the time that you used that word again walking out the back door of our house? <laughs> oh, yeah, I got punched and, in the mouth. No, 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 no. At the same time, your daddy walked through the gate. Yes, I got punched oh, yeah. right oh, in the yeah. mouth. Yeah, you but were you calling. were referring to your mother yes. at the time. Yeah, I, I know. And the, what, the, what the, did I say when you crumpled down and I have no idea. Over? I was unconscious. <laughs> you were not unconscious. <laughs> I said, oh, man, still got it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And here was the dumb part. You punched me in the mouth, knocked me out, maybe for a second and a half. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Crumpled to the ground. I get back up. And I, the, the weird thing is, it didn't really hurt. No, I didn't hit you that hard. No, you did. You hit me hard. <laughs> but it didn't really hurt. It was just this, this shock going through my... It was the first time I'd ever been punched. I'd never been... I, I, I've been in the fights all the time, but I'd never been punched in the face. You were almost six foot tall. What am I supposed to spank you? I don't know, but yes, I remember coming out. I was asking you to do something. You told me no. I asked you again. You told me no. I closed the door, and I went, bitch. And as I turned around, my father standing right already cocked. He was, You were already <laughs> cocked. I guess you heard it. I don't know. Oh, yeah, I heard it. But the second I turned, I mean, you talk about a sucker blindside, punch. A blindside. Yeah, that was an absolute sucker punch. <laughs> yeah. But 
punch me, I fall to the ground. And then after that, you said the dumbest thing I've ever heard you say. What? Go tell her what you said. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> you can punch me again. There's no way I'm going to say that. I learned some other ways to punish you besides hitting you because I couldn't reach you. Most See, of you the were time. like five ten by the end. Yeah, as a teenager, I had well, to swing up. <laughs> so I, I did learn some what I thought was milder ways. However, you might disagree. Uh, the rice, you know, I had learned from a babysitter. Okay, so uh, let let me let me set the stage for the audience. This is what the rice was. My mother would go and get uncooked rice out of the pantry. She would put it on the tile floor, the ceramic tile floor. Then I would get, she would position me in the rice in on my knees, and then I would have to sit there on my knees. Now, when I say sit there on my knees, I don't mean with my butt on my feet. I mean upright, <laughs> praying style, on your knees, and you think, eh, that's no big deal. Try it for five minutes. All right, let me ask you this. What did but you he do? He ate the rice. You did. You ate the <laughs> rice. <laughs> well, it's the same thing that you tried to get me to stop picking my nose. You put Tabasco sauce on yeah. my fingers, and I just licked all the Tabasco sauce <laughs> off. We, we did it with we did it with joy, and he stuck his finger in his <laughs> eye. <laughs> oh, it's terrible. Oh, he called me. He, I, yeah, I remember that. He was he was just a balling. But so, but, but we laugh about that now. You know, but if we did that to one of our kids today, we, I mean. Child abuse. Yeah. Well, I can remember another time you used profanity. And your mother did what's, what you do when you use profanity. You wash your mouth. That was soap. Oh. So she, she starts to leave, and you're standing there with this bar of soap in your mouth. Uh, well, <laughs> tell the story. well, what happened was you were working on your bicycle on the patio. And I was just watching, and I was amazed that you could do all these things, you know, knew how to do all these things. Well, something didn't go right, and all of a sudden you took a part, and you just threw it across the yard and said, son of a... And I thought... And where did I learn that from? Yeah. Him. No, I don't... I thought... Grandfather. He didn't just say that. So I opened the door, and I said, Troy... Oh, Mama, I, I really didn't mean to say that. I, I honestly didn't. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to say Come here, Troy. <laughs> so I brought you in the bathroom and um, sat you on the commode and proceeded to wash your mouth out with soap. So I went, I left, and I went about doing what I needed to do, and I walked in. You were still sitting on the commode uh, with, the with your mouth open, and I mouth. said, Troy, please rinse your Put mouth the, out. <laughs> get the soap out of your mouth. <laughs> but I never heard the profanity again. Well, yeah, but you never heard it again. That no, I know. It, it was there. No, because it, you, you, you say I threw the tool. Yeah, I remember walking into my garage. This was when we lived on Sparrow, and you had that older truck, the blue truck, I mm -hmm. think it was, and I think you were trying to tra change out a, 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 oh. a, a water pump or something. But for the son of a mechanic, you were the worst mechanically inclined person I've yes, ever seen in my life. Is. And <laughs> you were trying to change whatever out. And you told me, why don't you go see if you can help your dad? <laughs> and I'm like, no. And you said, no, go. He, he needs to. No, just go. <sighs> okay, but I had been here before. I, had, I knew exactly what was going to happen. I walked in the door, 
And that's when the profanity I heard. And the next thing I know, I don't know what tool, but some tool came flying, went through the paneling in our garage, <laughs> put a big giant hole, and went all the way to the bottom. And the worst part about that was is that you hit it at about five foot. And then, of course, it went down to the bottom of where the pan- – <laughs> and you still needed that tool. Sure did. <laughs> and so you had to go break the rest of the paneling and at to that, get the tool out. At that point, I, I went over and got my mild-mannered neighbor to come over and help him so that, yeah. number one, the profanity stopped, yeah. and he was able to help MG, him. MG, come over and help me yeah. do whatever yeah. it was yeah. I was doing. So, so one of my favorite memories, and, and this is on you, my, one of my favorite memories, and I want you to tell it, is the uh, the edger? Oh, oh, the edger! Yeah, the edger. <laughs> this is one of those things that you just really shouldn't do. I mean, it's you shouldn't do it. I was very trusting. I, I bought this old used edger, but it was still good. It still edged good, and I was cutting grass, I think, and she was edging, and she edged the sidewalk up and back, and she gets through, and the edger sitting there, still running. Well, the way you stop them back then is had a little metal thing up here, and you push it over to the spark plug, and it kills the motor. Well, she said, how do I stop it? I said, it touches it. And I said, touch the spark plug. So he went up there and started down towards the spark plug, at which time I got rid of the lawnmower and took off in a dead run, <laughs> and she hit that spark plug, and it lit her up. And I was a... At least a block away, which she, I, I heard her scream. All, all I remember is is hearing the loudest scream I had ever heard in the world. I'm in there raking or something, I don't know. And my father is down two blocks down the road at a dead run. And I'm right behind. I, I didn't know what happened until a little while later. That, I that trusted was good. him, but never again. <clears throat> yeah. Now uh, let's talk about some of the things Troy did. Like what? Well, let's see. He takes us uh, a uh, paper route. Oh, I'm oh, going to do this paper route paper for this route. friend of mine. So he takes this paper route, and then he leaves for a Two week. Two weeks? A week. Okay, now first wait of all. Wait a minute, it, wait a minute. He leaves for a week and wants her to throw his paper route. I, I well, I can recall. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm 10 years old. It's not like, oh, I, you could were not ten it's years not like I could leave without close, their permission. Closer to 12. <clears throat> okay, maybe and, 12. And ask me, honest to goodness, it rained oh. all day, every all day, every day during that week that, that he was That was gone. not my fault. And she's sitting on the back of my truck. I'm driving, and she's throwing Or a papers. bicycle. Well, a bicycle when it wasn't, when yeah. it wasn't raining. Well, uh, and, and, and in all fairness, the reason I was gone for two weeks is because I had sold the most papers or sold the most subscriptions in my area, and I won a trip to, like, uh, Astroworld or, or somewhere, or Six Flags or no, something like that. No, that was when you went and spent the, uh, two weeks with your nanny. Yeah. Oh, well, that was boys. your fault then. That was your fault. So, no, here's come, the one. You come back <coughs> scarred and disfigured. Here, and he, yeah, okay. Here's the one I want to ask about, and how in the world could you let this happen? Because you knew it was coming. You knew exactly what you were doing, and to this day, I believe that you did it on purpose. Probably did. Do you remember when we went to Disney World? Yep. Yes. Okay. I think it was like the first year it opened or something. You were six years old. I was six years yeah. old. I think it was the first year it opened or the second. Uh, it, was, it, was it was very new. new. Yeah. It was very new. And we drove all the way, and I even told a story on one of my podcasts about the, the trip there and how you would stop 
and pick peaches. You know, we went through Georgia, you picked, or the oranges, and this, that, and the other, until you realized you were actually stealing these things. (laughs) I just, just, it's a tree on the side of the road. That's someone's orchard. You're stealing their fruit. So anyway, we get to Disney World and all that. But before we went to Disney World, there was the matter of a pet, a certain pet that I had gotten not long before the about rabbit. six or eight months before oh. that that had Peter. grown that had grown up and, and become a full-fledged rabbit I love that rabbit and we had to do something with the rabbit so y'all told me oh just take it over to Uncle Adam's house well he had other rabbits Uncle Adam's got plenty of rabbits he'll just throw them in there had and a rabbit you know, cage yeah and he'll take care of them okay great so we take my little rabbit over to, to Uncle Adam, and we go off for a fun-filled, fabulous vacation at Disney World. And then we come back. And we didn't go to Uncle Adam's right when we came back. It was a couple of two, three days later before we went over to get my rabbit. And I go to get my rabbit. And, and what had happened to my rabbit? Silly rabbit. Yeah. You got dead. How did it get dead? How did it get dead? I think they killed him and skinned him. Tracy. Tracy He had a a young son, and Tracy Tracy hung the rabbit up on a clothesline and killed it. Yeah, skinned it, killed it, put the fur out, and ate it. I came, go over to, because Uncle Adam lived right next door to to Mama. Mama. Mm -hmm. And so we go to Mama's. I walk over to Uncle Adam's to get my rabbit. And as I'm walking over there on the clothesline, there's the rabbit fur hanging off the clothesline. <laughs> that wasn't our fault. It, I think no, it, that was Why not would our we fault. do that on purpose? I mean, you had a rabbit cage okay, and everything. You knew those people, and you knew what they and, were capable no. of. You know, really, I was getting something out of the rabbit, too, if you recall. Your grandfather had made you this cage. Yeah. And under the cage was a box full of dirt. Yeah. And the rabbit would poop. It would go down. We had some worms that big to go fishing with. <laughs> well, I, I think y'all conspired with Uncle Adam telling him, hey, I don't care how it is, but we don't want that rabbit back. <laughs> no, Tracy got the rabbit. And he'd probably do it today. He ate my rabbit. No, he ate my rabbit. Tracy's turned a corner. He's, oh, he's, he okay. Yeah, he's a good guy now. So uh, the name of my podcast is Exploring the Way, the way being Jesus. And so we, we try to explore our, our way. So tell me, how has um, your faith or your, your Christianity, how has that affected your life growing up, in the middle, now? Has it changed? Has it gotten different? Just explain that. For me, my faith has gotten stronger. Excuse me. Um, over the years, when I was growing up, my grandmother would wake me up five o'clock in the morning on Sunday and take me to Mass. We're Catholic uh, every Sunday. So Mass came first, and I said my prayers on my knees every night. Uh, back then, I, I, I didn't really know what faith was. When you're small, you don't know. You just know you need to say your prayers and go to church. Uh, but over the years... I've grown to love the Lord more than I ever have and rely on him and pray every single day for so many people. He probably says, oh, there's that girl again. Good grief when she's going to (laughs) quit. But I do. I pray every day. My faith is stronger than it's ever been, and I believe it's because my grandmother taught me, you know, that 
God was more important than anything because we, we always went to church. And back then, Catholics, we've changed a lot over the years, but we were made to go to church. We had to, otherwise you're sinning if you didn't, and I didn't want to have to go to confession, <laughs> you know. But uh, but I didn't mind it. I mean, you know, we got up early and, and went to Mass and saw some friends and was able. But, but anyway, it, it, it taught me that God was the most important thing in my life. I was almost like that, almost. I would get up early Sunday morning when I got a spatula across my butt because my father would always like to cook breakfast. And he would go in there and be cooking breakfast and trying to get me up to go to church. And I didn't want to go to church, so he would come there with a spatula and I'd get it right on the butt. A metal one, right? A metal spatula, yeah. And, uh, but, you know, I was, I was raised Baptist. Uh, my father was a deacon in the Baptist church, uh, went to church, pretty regular, a uh, regular, uh, you know. Uh, and then when I went to Germany, uh, uh, she was Catholic, and I knew she was Catholic. And so I decided to go Catholic, to train to Catholic, and I got uh, took lessons. You uh, met a priest yeah, that you really Yeah, I met a priest really over liked. there, and I really liked him. And uh, I, I, he taught, gave me lessons on the Catholic religion. So I, uh, I went ahead and changed over, and, and uh, of course, we've been Catholic ever since. Uh, and, and, you know, we go to church. Fairly, we were going real regular, and then COVID came up, and we uh, we didn't go for almost a year. Uh, it, we, it was closed. So and we, we couldn't finally go. got back. Yeah, we now, we're, now we're getting back uh, to yeah. going again because COVID's over. Uh, that's about the size of it. So how does faith play a role in your lives today? I think without faith, we wouldn't be where we are today in uh, you know, in my opinion, because there's so many things that I believe that God would do if you pray. Um, excuse me. Uh, there is an animal running around yes, that is she's eating pestering right everyone right now. Um, you need to get a picture of them before we leave. I just don't believe that we'd be where we are today without God in our lives and our faith. And oh, with everything yeah. that's going on in the world today. Well, that's what I was going to ask you is yeah. with everything that's going on in the world today. I mean, I know for me and I, I know how my faith works and, and you're a huge part of that as, as far as bringing me up in that way. But with everything that's going on today, doesn't it seem like God is getting less and less and less important in our country? I mean, it seems like that, you know, uh, immorality, sexual deviance, um, you know, homosexuality, uh, transgender, trans this, you know, all of these things that are now becoming, that, that used to be, and I know like when you were growing up, wasn't even a thing. Yeah. And then when I was growing up, it was something, but it was in the closet and nobody mm -hmm. talked about it. It was, you know, we don't, we don't talk about that stuff. And now it's, if you don't accept it, then you're the jerk. You know, if you don't accept a transgender as being whoever he says, she says, it says it is, then, then you're the problem, not them. How does, how does your faith cope with this world that has just completely and utterly changed into a, a, a time of, of Sodom and Gomorrah, in my opinion? I mean, what, what do you think? Absolutely. Um, 
I pray for these people. I pray for our leaders. I pray for the, the, you know, the evil people that are out to kill us all. Um, and, and I'm afraid, I am afraid of what you're going to face in the years to come. Our grandkids are going to face in the years to come. But, but I pray, um, I just pray really, really hard. And you have to be you and remember your values and your morals and, and don't succumb to what the world has become and just be yourself and pray that God will heal our world. I'm a little different. Uh, after, for being a police officer for 36 years, you get to where you run into these people on almost a daily basis and you accept them for what they are you know that they're wrong uh and 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 that you know god will will he'll he'll settle things up with them at a later time it's not not for me to settle up uh but i just uh, i just accept them for his people and i don't really i don't i disagree with what they do but uh, I still treat them as people. You and know? we don't judge. How can we judge? Yeah, right. I, I just, and, and, I, and, I, and I guess I'm, I'm, I'm not meaning it in a people sense, not as an individual, just yeah. as a society, how we've allowed these things to just become normal. So uh, two more questions, and then we've pretty much hit our time limit. I got two more questions. Um, one aimed primarily at you and the other either way. He was pointing at me. Yes, I was pointing. <laughs> no one can see me on camera, and that's and that's by design. Um, so, question for you, uh, topical question: Afghanistan, and how the administration handled this, and how it has become an absolute debacle, and the thirteen lives that were lost. I think due solely to the administration's absolute debacle of this. Being ex-military, being ex-police, ex-first responder, um, what are your thoughts about what's going on over there right now? Uh, it, it was a terrible, uh, not mistake is not, I, I don't think is a word because I think it was intentional. Uh, they went over there with the intention of getting out and, and uh, excuse my French, but screw uh, everybody that gets in the way or, or that, doesn't agree uh it, it, they they blew it completely the the those those soldiers that were killed that was so unnecessary they they had a they they had a battle on the line with the with the uh the people and that you can't do that you know you got to have some separation if they would have had separation i don't think they would have died uh but my my one of my things on that is they bring these thousands of people to the United States and they're vetting them uh, or whatever. They're, they're checking them out, see if they're good guys or bad guys. And they have to stay in these little cubicles or whatever while they're being vetted. And they even not even come to the United States. Some of them are in Germany, some of them are in France, some of them are different places while they're being vetted and checked out. And then they're given, you know, papers and they're allowed to finally get into the United States where on the other end you go to the southern border and you have over a million uh, Hispanic and I have nothing against Hispanics I mean I, I, I love them like anybody else they just but 
we have rules. And the rules are that you don't just come into this country, you work your way into it. Uh, but all of a sudden, this idiot decides just to take all the, the barriers off and let a million people come in. Now, the way they vetted them was they put them on airplanes, so they flew them to Shreveport, or they flew them to Los Angeles, or they flew them to New York, or wherever. They flew these people all over the world, let them out, and drove off. Yeah. And they were just and didn't even integrated tell. into society. And well, the people that they... Well, they're not even really integrated because they don't even tell yeah, the local yeah, government. Yeah, that's what I say. They just let them off and drive off and let them try to integrate themselves into the society. And you know, you know for a fact they're going to be on welfare. Well, Everyone not only that, but um, in the beginning of all of that, there was a Catholic organization. I can't remember the name of it. But that Catholic organization was giving free COVID tests to anyone that was coming in. Yeah. And they were testing every person coming across. And what they found was that over 50% yeah. were COVID positive. But they're not doing anything about it. And they're still taking them to these inner cities, yeah. dropping them. And so, you know, the, the, the Walter wants to get on uh, – on, on TV and talk about, you know, oh, this Delta variant's killing, oh, the unvaccinated, oh, oh, oh. No, sir. You are importing yeah. these variants into our country. Yeah. You are putting them in places where they have the ability to spread. This is all on you yeah. because it correlates perfectly with, with the opening of the book. And Walter, by the way, for you is, is, is uh, Joe Biden. Walter. Okay. We know Walter. <laughs> Walter, Joe Biden. Yeah, Jeff Dunham's. Jeff Dunham's Walter. Gotcha. Because gotcha. he's got yeah, he looks like it. Yeah, he looks like him, and he's yeah, got the exact same brain mentality. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, so, so Walter is just importing COVID from yeah. from from the South, bringing it in. While other people are trying so hard to fight it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and then they talk about the the prior administration. The prior administration had the thing settled. It was done. It was deal. Done. They had the law was set up, and they they passed the law covering it. And he came in and just violated every yeah. law, every oh, it was just for spite, I believe. And, and so I really look at that worse than bringing all these uh, these people in from the other countries. Now, what happened over there it was bad. Uh, I'm sure that every soldier that was ever been there has a bad taste in his mouth now. Yeah. Uh, if if not a bad taste, then you're probably the suicide rate will go up a little bit for for veterans of, of Afghanistan. 22 a day now. So. And uh, so, uh, yeah, it was it was a debacle. It was just a mess. Yeah. All right, last thing. Um, so a few days ago, uh, one of the laws that went into effect in Texas was the heartbeat bill, mm -hmm. uh, which said that abortion is not legal once a detectable heartbeat <clears throat> is found. And that is usually within the first three to six weeks of pregnancy. Mm -hmm. um, what's your opinion on that bill or on that law? All for it. I'm happy about it. Very happy about it. Because if there's a heartbeat, there's a child there. And I don't believe in abortion at all. I mean, there's too many people in this world that would love to have a baby to raise. Um, but yeah, to me, it, the first time I ever heard of partial birth abortion, it just made me cry. Still does. That's murder, you know. So I applaud Governor Abbott for that bill. Yeah, I'm hoping we go further. 
Uh, you yeah. know, I'd, I'd like to yeah. see a conception bill. But the good thing about the heartbeat bill is typically women don't even know they're pregnant until oh, yeah. four, five, six weeks yeah. anyway. Yeah, so by yeah. that time, there's a detectable heartbeat. By that, that time, I mean, it yeah. is. And abortion, abortion, seriously, that's just murder. You well, know, it is. And yeah. I was having an argument with someone yesterday over Facebook. And um, his opinion was, and, and I understand where he was trying to go, but I just think it's people like him that are the that are some of the biggest problems. And it was that you know, well, I'm, I'm not for abortion, but I think it's a woman's choice. I'm not for you know the killing of of, of the fetuses, but I think we should leave that in the hand. And, and calls himself a Christian, calls himself conservative. But yet, you know, and, and, and he was like, well, laws don't do anything but, but make us want to do it more. They, tend, they, get, they create more temptation. And, and I said, okay, I said, then I tell you what, how about, you know, a, a woman has a child and about two years old, she decides, you know what, this just ain't working out. Is it okay if I go ahead and drown this toddler and, and put him in the backyard, and, and we'll just call it a day, and we'll try again later. I said, it's the exact same thing. Does mm-hmm. she have the option to do that? Well, of course not. Well, what's the difference? Yeah. Did he have a difference? He didn't. No. And, and he, he, we ended up getting very angry with each other and, and going off. But, I mean, it, to me, it's the exact same thing. You know, these, especially these partial board. I mean, this oh is a full-term uh, baby, baby. That as before it can actually come out into the world, they, they, they kill it. Well, as it's coming out, yeah, well, they put it, something in the back of the brain and scramble the yeah, brain. Yeah, the head can't come out. They've got to make sure that the head, you know, and so, yeah, they, and, and there's no anesthetic and there's no anything. They just, they just kill these children, and I don't, I don't know. I, I, I just, I, I would like to see a conception bill. I know that right now. What what really irritates me is Walter and the attorneys, you know, the attorney general's office, are trying their best to figure out a way to oh, yeah. stop this. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and and it, not to put religion in it. Well, of course, Biden put religion is in supposed it. to be a devout Catholic no. who is who has always been anti-abortion. Oh, he's he, so yeah. how can he be accepted in the Catholic Church? Pelosi, same way. <sighs> Um, Pelosi is the Antichrist, and and I'll <laughs> tell you that right now. There's no two ways about it. That it, I would not be surprised if fire came shooting out of her eyeballs in in, in session. If that is if she's sober. Yeah. See, that will be edited. Which part? The part about her being the Antichrist. Absolutely, it will no. not. I, <laughs> uh, she is, and so is Oprah Winfrey. Oprah Winfrey's no, the other Antichrist. I totally agree. Uh, and yes, I've said it on on podcasts okay. and they they're welcome to come get me you know i used to like oprah many years ago yeah, sure everybody did but then every time she gave anybody anything a dollar a million dollars she gotta be right car, in front of that camera she has to let it be known absolutely that she yeah. gave it and yeah. i don't believe in that well and and where oprah and i parted ways was um she was doing a live show and it was about spirituality mm-hmm. And someone asked her the question, you know, the lady from the back said, you know, Jesus Christ is the way, he is the truth, he is the life, he is the only way to the Father, there is no other way. And she goes, oh, that is just so not true. There are so many different ways. We're all going down different paths, but we're going in the same direction. And Jesus himself said, you know, narrow is the path, you know, and and straight is the way. And many will will not take it, but there is only one path, there is only one way. 
And she, and unfortunately, she has such a following of people, of women who just believe whatever comes out of Oprah's mouth. And so if Oprah says, oh, I can be Hindu and go to heaven, oh, I can be, you know, new age and go to heaven, I can be progressive and go to heaven, then they're going to believe it. And, And that is... That is worse than being a Satanist. That is worse than being an atheist because you are now taking people that would maybe normally follow the right path and you're putting them on a different path. And you're putting them on a path. Because you're able to do that. Because you have the ability to do that. And that to me is a total and utter antichrist. Um, Well, this has been fun. I'd like to do it again. Uh, I want to get more in depth in other things, but uh, we are at about an hour now. So I think we're going to. We're going to go ahead and, and cut this off. Wait, wait, wait. You, yep. you say you want to get more depth? I do. You get much more depth, you, I won't be in jail. Uh, probably. Okay. I'm going to use this against you later. I figured. <laughs> <laughs> this will be blackmail later. But, but Troy, can you, can you not say that I've mellowed over the years? Uh, well, yeah. I mean, because <laughs> if we got it more in depth, I mean, there there was a certain time in your life where if it was not for chemical assistance that's right <laughs> ask, 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 I ask, probably wouldn't be here <laughs> ask Callie if she's mellowed well, I, I, I look at Callie now and I think Callie's the one that's mellowed so no no Callie hasn't no. mellowed but poor little dog uh, gets on her nerves oh I can imagine oh my gosh yeah so well my two heroes uh, for absolute certain uh Thank you. Thank you. You bet. Charlie. Thank you. And uh, we enjoyed it. We'll do it again sometime. Okay. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed that as much as I did. I, I learned some things about my parents I didn't know. Um, if you guys want to get in touch with us, you can always email us at exploringtheway21 at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook at exploringtheway21, and we're on Twitter at exploringtway. As always, you can also go to our website at www.exploringtheway.info. Till next week, guys, God bless, and we'll see you then.